Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 89 of the Bible in 90 Days, and we're in Revelation, the entire book. This final book of Scripture, written by John while in exile on the Isle of Patmos, is magnificent. And I'm also going to give you a quick heads up. This is the longest episode of the entire season. Let's dive in. Chapter 1, by the way, a chapter well worth reading, declares the book's purpose right from the start. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John. Then notes, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John then specifically addresses the seven churches to whom he writes, lifting up Jesus, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and is coming with the clouds. Following these introductory remarks, John turns to the subject at hand, beginning with the magnificent vision of Jesus, who declares of himself, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. John is then instructed to write what he's seen. Chapter 2 Another chapter well worth reading. Chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation record Christ's specific messages to each of seven churches. Chapter 2 contains messages to four of them, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, and Thyatira. Each message essentially contains an assessment of the church's strengths, its shortcomings, and a warning, concluding with a promise. I'll only have time to share the briefest of highlights. Ephesus is commended for its perseverance, having endured hardships for my name and not grown weary. It's big problem. You have forsaken the love you had at first. After being called to repent, the church is promised access to the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Smyrna is noted for its affliction and poverty, yet is rich. While believers are about to suffer severe persecution, they are encouraged. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The message ends with the promise of protection from the second death. Pergamum is recognized for remaining true to my name, though living where Satan has his throne. Its faults include having members who clung to false teaching and idolatry. After being urged to repent, the promise given is that of receiving some of the hidden manna as well as a stone with a new name written on it. Thyatira receives the most attention. They are commended for their love, faith, service, and perseverance while being rebuked for tolerating that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. Those who have not embraced her teachings are simply encouraged to hold on to what you have until I come. These are promised to have authority over the nations and receive the morning star. Chapter 3, by the way, another chapter well worth reading, completes the specific messages to the seven churches with Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Sardis receives this scathing assessment. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. 
They are instructed to wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. After being encouraged to repent, it's noted that a few people in Sardis have not spoiled their clothes. Those who overcome will be dressed in white. Their names will remain in the book of life and be acknowledged before my Father and his angels. Philadelphia receives only affirmation. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And the promise of preservation from the hour of coming, global trial, is also given. The promise to this church is extensive, beginning, The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. Laodicea, in contrast to Philadelphia, receives no affirmation, only the indictment that they are neither cold nor hot and about to be spit out. They are counseled to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Jesus identifies himself as standing at the door, knocking. The promise to the church, the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Chapter 4 is a vision of a throne, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled the throne. The scene includes elders as well as living creatures. These living creatures who surround the throne never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The worship of these living creatures inspires the elders who also worship laying their crowns before the throne and offering exultant praise. Chapter 5 continues this throne scene, noting that the one who sits on the throne holds a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. John weeps when no one is found who can open the scroll, then is pointed by one of the elders to Jesus, who appears as a lamb slain, standing at the center of the throne. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. After the Lamb takes the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, the elders and living creatures break into rapturous worship, accompanied by thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 of angels. Chapter 6 explains the events accompanying the opening of the first six seals on the scroll. In brief, First seal, white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Second seal, red horse. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. Third seal, black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Fourth seal, Pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. Fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. These souls are heard calling for justice. Sixth seal. 
cataclysmic events, including a great earthquake, dramatic celestial events involving sun, moon, and stars, the heavens receding like a scroll, and every mountain and island being removed from its place. At this, the great men of the earth tried desperately to hide from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? Chapter 7 begins by describing the sealing of 144,000 people, 12,000 from each of 12 tribes of Israel, Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin. Then a great multitude that no one could count is seen, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. Then there's a powerful moment of worship, which includes this innumerable multitude, along with the angels, elders, and living creatures. John is then informed that those in the white robes are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Chapter 8 begins with the opening of the seventh seal, which you may recall has not yet been opened. When it's opened, there's silence in heaven for about half an hour. After this, seven angels are given seven trumpets, while another angel is seen with a golden censer. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's people on the golden altar in front of the throne. After this, the censer is thrown to the earth. Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. Briefly, first trumpet sounds, hail and fire mixed with blood are hurled to the earth, resulting in extensive destruction. Second trumpet sounds, Something like a huge mountain, all ablaze, was thrown into the sea, also resulting in extensive destruction. Third trumpet sounds. A great star, blazing like a torch, fell from the sky, named Wormwood, and is also followed by extensive destruction. Fourth trumpet sounds. Darkness partially strikes sun, moon, and stars, so that a third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. The chapter ends with an eagle flying in midair, calling out loudly, Woe, 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 on account of the three trumpets yet to sound. Chapter 9 continues the sounding of the trumpets. Fifth trumpet sounds. A star is seen to have fallen from the sky to the earth and given the key to the shaft of the abyss. Unlocking the abyss unleashes a horde of savage, scorpion-tailed locusts who wreak havoc on those who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads, though they are forbidden to kill them. These savage locusts had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek is Apollyon, that is, destroyer. Sixth trumpet sounds. Four angels are released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. Chapter 10. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He was robed in a cloud with a rainbow above his head. His face was like the sun and his legs were like fiery pillars. 
This angel is holding a little scroll and standing with a foot on the sea and another on the land. And when he shouted, the voices of the seven thunders spoke. This angel declared, there will be no more delay. But in the days when the seventh angel is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will be accomplished, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. John is then instructed to take and eat the scroll, which tasted sweet, but turned his stomach sour. Then he was told, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. Chapter 11 begins with a prophecy indicating that the outer court of the temple had been given to the Gentiles, who would trample the holy city for 42 months. Then John's told that God's two witnesses would be appointed and prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. They would have great power, but after they had finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. Their deaths would result in great celebration by the inhabitants of earth. However, after the three and a half days, the breath of the life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and terror struck those who saw them. After this, they went up to heaven in a cloud, while their enemies looked on, at which point there's a devastating earthquake. Seventh trumpet sounds, and loud voices in heaven declare, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. This is followed by rapturous worship. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. Chapter 12 begins, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. The woman is in the throes of labor, about to give birth, while a vicious dragon, who's swept a third of the stars to the ground with his tail, stands over her, ready to devour her child the moment it's born. Soon, the male child is born who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter and is snatched up to God and to his throne out of the dragon's reach. Then the scene changes and war is seen in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough and they lost their place in heaven. This defeated dragon and his angels are then hurled to the earth and a loud voice is heard in heaven proclaiming both triumph and woe. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. Upon discovering he's been cast to the earth, the dragon hunts the woman down, seeking to destroy her. But she's given respite in the wilderness for a time, times, and half a time. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Chapter 13 brings two creatures into view, which are too complex to adequately summarize. The first, a strange-looking and vicious beast, arises out of the sea and is given great authority by the dragon, 
Both it and the dragon are worshipped and adored by human beings. The strange beast blasphemes God and wages war against his people, exercising its authority for 42 months. The second beast, not quite so strange or savage, arises out of the earth. It, however, exercises all the authority of the first beast, even performing miraculous signs to deceive everyone. On top of this, it creates an imitation beast, a replica of the first vicious beast which must then be worshipped on pain of death. The number of the beast is 666. Chapter 14 introduces us again to the 144,000 who are seen with the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. These 144,000 sing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders, which no one else can learn. They also follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Next, John sees three angels, the first having the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, the second proclaiming, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. This angel is followed by a third, who warns of dire consequences to anyone who worships the beast in its image and receives its mark on their forehead or on their hand. Then a voice is heard saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, from now on. The next scene is of one like a son of man, seated on the cloud, with a crown of gold on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came out of the temple and called in a loud voice to him who was sitting on the cloud, Take your sickle and reap. So he does, and the earth was harvested. Then another angel, also with a sharp sickle, is instructed to Take your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of grapes from the earth's vine, because its grapes are ripe. Then the grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city. Chapter 15 changes the scene again. And seven angels with the seven last plagues last, because with them God's wrath is completed. Then John sees a vast multitude of those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. These sing the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Then John sees the seven angels with the seven plagues leave the tabernacle of the covenant of law, which is then filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Chapter 16 begins with the instruction to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. Briefly, the seven plagues are as follows. First plague, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. Second plague, sea turns to blood and every living thing in the sea died. Third plague, rivers and springs of water become blood, and an angel is declaring in part, you are just in these judgments, O holy one. Fourth plague, the sun scorches the people with fire, but they refused to repent and glorify him. Fifth plague, the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness, and the people still in agony and cursing God refused to repent of what they had done. Sixth plague, the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east, 
Three demonic spirits also appear who go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. The warning is then given. Look, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. Seventh plague, a loud voice is heard declaring, It is done, followed by a massive earthquake. Then the text says, God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. This is followed by a crushing storm of hundred-pound hailstones, and the people curse God because of them. Chapter 17, the scene shifts once more to a prostitute who sits by many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. This lavishly adorned prostitute is called Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. She is drunk with the blood of God's holy people. This woman rides a seven-headed, ten-horned beast, which, to the astonishment of those not named in the book of life, plays a bit of hide-and-seek because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. The angel guide offers some insight into the cryptic imagery, such as, The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who, for one hour, will receive authority as kings along with the beast. These will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph. John is also informed that the waters you saw, where the prostitute sits, are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The tide then quickly turns, and this once powerful beast is turned on by the oppressed multitudes. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Chapter 18 sees another angel with a global declaration. This begins, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. After the message is finished, another voice speaks, beginning, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive of her plagues. Next we see the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury, wailing in sorrow at Babylon's downfall. These are joined in grief by the merchants and the sailors who have trafficked in her goods. The final scene depicts a mighty angel throwing a giant stone into the sea, declaring in part, With such violence the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The scenes of chapter 18 are followed in chapter 19 by great celebration, declaring in part, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are His judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of His servants. Then the scene changes again, and a rider named Faithful and True is seen atop a white horse. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. Then there's another scene change, and an angel calls, the birds flying in midair to the great supper of God, a feast of corpses. 
The final scene is of the beast and the false prophet being captured and thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest of the people were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. Chapter 20 treats us to yet another scene, this time of Satan being bound for a thousand years and thrown into the abyss, which is then locked and sealed, to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. The scene shifts again, and John sees thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. The faithful martyrs are also seen. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Over these, the second death has no power. They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Next, Satan and his hordes of followers are seen surrounding the camp of God's people. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them. The final scene in the chapter is of a great white throne before whom the dead, great and small, stand and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Each person is judged according to their deeds. And then death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Chapter 21, another chapter well worth reading, brings us to a fresh welcome scene, a new heaven and a new earth. John sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, with a loud voice heard declaring, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. John is then given a tour, as it were, of the new Jerusalem a massive, shimmering structure with 12 gates and 12 foundations. He did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. Chapter 22, another chapter well worth reading, begins... Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. The next section of the chapter finds John being assured by the angel of the trustworthiness of the revelation. And then John himself assures the reader. A blessing is spoken over those who keep the words written in the book, and it's also left unsealed. It's worth noting as well that a little while later in the chapter, a curse is declared against anyone who might dare to tamper with the book. The book wraps up with a few more words to the reader, including these. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. The final words of Jesus in the book are these. 
Yes, I am coming soon. And that's all for today, leaving us just one more episode, number 90, a summary of the last 30 days of reading. 